Welcome to Howden's new podcast, Fortune Favours the Brave. We all take risks in our everyday life and business is no different. In this podcast, we're speaking to the experts about a topical challenge or issue and what business leaders can do to overcome it. Welcome to the second episode of Modern Methods of Construction, Building the Future, part of the Howden Fortune Favours the Brave series of podcasts. I'm Tom Barney from the Construction and Property Professional Indemnity Team here at Howden, and today we'll be continuing our discussion on the topic of modern methods construction, referred to as MMC, with Ian Atkinson, a partner at Womble Bond Dickinson and lead of their modern methods of construction subsector. In part one of our series, we answered what is modern methods of construction, and acknowledged some of the limitations to traditional building techniques and processes. If you haven't listened to the first episode of this series yet, we would encourage you to do so. And today we'll be exploring some of the challenges in using modern methods of construction and some of the issues around net zero and sustainability. Uh, Welcome back, Ian. Hi, Tom. Now, we've got quite a lot to get through, so uh, let's address our first question. Um, What are the inherent problems in modern methods of construction? Okay, well, I should start by saying, really, I am a massive proponent, a big fan of uh, modern methods of construction. So I don't really like talking about the problems, but then we've got to be realistic here and, and give a give a proper um, overview. So I would say most of the problems that do exist within modern methods of construction are actually driven by the current lack of investment. Um, what you have in, in that is at the moment is there's just not enough suppliers within the industry and what that means is that at the moment people have to book their factory slots you know a good six months in advance you've also got the problem alongside that if there is any insolvency you don't have enough other suppliers to pick up where the insolvent supplier left off now we've been protected for the past couple of years because of covid and the government was put, put measures in place to stop people being made insolvent um, but that's now released and we are expecting that with the looming recession over us there's going to be a lot more insolvencies to come so that's something that we really have to to bear in mind so so i think when you're when you're you know when i'm advising um developers and speaking to developers and employers for construction projects they're always raising these same issues of what happens in, in the event of insolvency and why why the prices that i get back not keener than i think they should be and of course it's that supply and demand issue isn't it and if you've got sorry just going back on that point of insolvency if you've got somebody that's become insolvent the way that the employer is expected to pay for their materials off site is different to a a, a traditional project. Usually you don't pay until the goods and materials have been delivered to site. You're happy with the the quality. It doesn't work that way with with off-site manufacture. You need to help the cash flow of the supplier so you're paying for goods and materials that you haven't yet had delivered. That causes problems if somebody goes bust because how do you recover those goods and materials and if you do recover those goods and materials how useful are they to you what use is a half a built you know module it's not because the tooling facilities that all the different suppliers have are different so we've got this overarching lack of investment that is hampering the industry but you know looking at some of the more specifics around what are the problems with mmc i suppose you could argue that 
when it comes to modifications to your project, it's probably easier at the moment to modify using traditional building processes because it's all happening on site. You can see something going wrong and you can tell someone it's wrong. You can't do that if something's been manufactured in the factory. You're going to have to now adapt it on site, which is probably going to be a bit more costly. We've, we, we've got a bit of a skills and labor shortage for modern methods of construction, bizarrely. So we've got this problem with massive labor shortages in traditional build, but similarly, we're creating all of these new roles for modern methods of construction, but we don't yet have the people coming through with the requisite skills. So there's responsibility there for the industry to work with educational providers to make sure that that's, you know, that workforce is going to start coming through. Some people say to me, what about logistical challenges? You know, I see these things on the back of a lorry going down the motorway and, you know, causing tailbacks for miles and whatnot. And yes, that is true to some extent. When you're talking about volumetric um, construction, you are limited by what you can put on the back of a lorry and what can pass through bridges and that kind of thing. And ultimately, when you get to site as well, I can't remember the exact facts, Tom, but if it's windy... You can't crane these things up because obviously they just spin around and cause, you know, potential health and safety hazard to everyone on the site. So there's, there are some issues there that need to be resolved. But I would come back to the, the point that if we can get investment, we can start to resolve some of them. That's a very interesting um, topic and commentary around that topic in light of this week's um, media reports of a Leicester modular build factory being closed at the same time as a 48-storey modular residential tall tower being constructed in, in Tower Hamlets. So it's clearly working in some places and, and not working in others. I just wanted to touch on the Homes England partnership uh, arrangements of 2021 and their grants where they've mandated the utilisation of modern methods of construction for up to 25% of the homes within proposed within that scheme. Now, 90,000 homes are proposed within those partnership schemes and they've mandated 25% of those properties need to utilise some modern methods of construction. That doesn't seem like an awful lot between 2021 and 2026. And there's all, uh, clearly not a lot of redundant capacity um, in the factory off-site manufacturing. How are we going to address that without greater public sector financing? Or are we going to leave it up entirely to the private sector? Well, I think... I think you're right. At the moment, we, we we do have a bit of a scenario where the where social housing is driving forward the adoption of MMC, and to some extent, it's it's obvious that the volume house builders are sitting back and just sort of watching what will happen with interest. Now, that's not true right across the board, and I know Barrett Homes. Um, said last year that in order to address some of the skills shortages that they're seeing in the industry, they're going to put 25% of their projects um, to use modern methods of construction. But you're right, you've got the volume house builders that really determine how many homes are delivered within the UK. And they need to start making the step towards using the advantages of modern methods of construction in order to get the public able to see what it offers and therefore let the consumer choose whether they want to have that traditional build or the modern build. And it's really interesting the way we perceive 
modern or modular build, certainly within the UK, because we still see it as something that is, you know, more more akin to an inferior product and perhaps something that, you know, most people don't want to buy. But elsewhere in the world, it's different. You know, in Japan, they see it as a sort of, you know, a, a, a mid-upper market product. And they've developed it to the extent that, you know, much like when you go to buy your new car, you get to choose all of the options and, you know, whether you want climate control and all that kind of thing. It's the same with the homes. You go along and you can tailor it. Now, if we had that choice in the UK, the consumers would probably say, well, yes, I, I want the one that I can bespoke to myself again, like, well, like we do with our cars. But at the moment we don't. Um, and I think that's something that we need to start, or rather the volume house builders start need, to need thinking about. Could you give me perhaps some examples of, of barriers that you perceive or, or that we perceive to, to greater utilization of modern methods of construction? Sure. Well, you know, as you, as you say, Tom, that the, the government's absolutely determined to make modern methods of construction happen. It wants this more flexible, more sustainable, more consistent construction industry. But to me, there's still big concerns from many third parties to the industry, such as banks and insurers. And I think personally, the only way of resolving that is to try and bring in some kind of standardization. But of course, we've got a bit of a catch-22 situation here, haven't we? Because you can't set the standards until you've done enough work to establish what is and what is not achievable. But similarly, because there's no standards, people are still wary of the product and don't really want to use it. So you've, you know, as, as we talked about, we've got the social housing sector, which is told, has been told that it has to push forward with this and it is doing so. I'm aware that the BSI are working on standards. I know that NHBC have got their NHBC accepts program. But ultimately, we still haven't got the buy-in from the banks, from the insurers, and you don't have the choice of product as a consumer if you've got had, had a home built through modern methods of construction that you would have done had it been a traditional build. So I'm talking about mortgages, you know, I'm talking about, you know, ongoing insurance costs, which you've probably got a better idea than me, would be more significant over a long term over a long term than they would have been had you had a traditional build. Well, it is something of a, a chicken and egg scenario where you have significant capital upfront costs for investors without the confirmation or the certainty of a, of a long-term return on that investment. When you consider the overall lifetime cost of ownership of a modern method construction build or a modular construction build, you have to factor in insurance costs, you have to factor in interest rates and, and mortgages. Do you feel that the insurance and finance sector are doing enough to support the adoption of that because clearly you need an economy of scale to make this work from the production element and also understanding what the implications are for the buyer of these assets in terms of what it's going to cost them to, to operate it or maintain it day to day. So I think it, it is pleasing to see that more lenders are coming into the market to provide mortgages. Now, not every lender will provide a, a mortgage on a modular build home, but there are a lot more now than there were a few years ago. I would say when it comes to that point about you know ongoing costs, 
I would be encouraging consumers to, to, to think about, yes, your insurance might be higher because you are using a product that insurers are, are not familiar with. They do not know what the failure rate might be. And I think that's ultimately what you know determines premiums. But of course, the cost of ownership should be significantly less if you've got a really good quality product that has been designed with environmental credentials in mind. You know, you're not going to have drafty windows. You're going to have the, the the most up-to-date heating systems in, in these. So, so you would like to think that on balance over the term of the your, your, your ownership of the home, you're paying less notwithstanding the reluctance of the insurers to get involved. But I think there's another point there on, on, on the role of banks because at the moment, MMC factories in the UK are still a relatively unknown product. And without historic performance of sustained delivery and established credit ratings, the banks, I think, are still a bit reluctant to invest in the actual factories. And that goes back to my issue earlier about the lack of investment. Until we start seeing that and still we start generating competition, which will increase the adoption from developers and, and employers. It'll bring prices down. It'll incentivize all of the suppliers in the MMC chains to do more, more quickly, better price, better efficiencies. Then I, th I think we get a real snowball effect. Yes, I, I, I completely agree. Perhaps we can now touch on some of the consequential or cumulative benefits of delivering our housing and, and the buildings that we need for the future with with modern methods of construction. You mentioned modern method of construction includes both the fashion of building and also the materials that go into those buildings. Um, a number of modular construction factors, wood and timber are significant, which is uh, obviously a huge reduction in, in carbon intensive concrete. It's good for laying the foundations, which I think we did quite well in our first episode. But perhaps you could touch on some of the areas of, of how to hit our net zero requirements, adoption of modern method construction will, will help us to do that. Yes, so straight away you'd be you'd be looking to um, encourage the, the the suppliers to select better, more you know more sustainable materials. And timber is, is a great one. Now we, we we are certainly in Scotland. So I'm looking at the UK as a whole, but in Scotland we have a, an abundant supply of timber that we can use. So timber frame housing is pretty common north of the border, not so much in England yet. I suppose it's the point of the factories. Um, you know, when when you can bring things into one hub for manufacture, you are immediately going to see benefits from an environmental perspective. You're going to have less deliveries, as we've talked about. You're not going to have 30 people driving to a construction site every single day and driving home again. A lot of the time, the people who work in the factories, you would like to think are in the local community. So straight away, you've got less, you know, embodied carbon release there. You've got more efficiencies in the factory. I've been along to some of the factories and watched the manufacturing process. The actual wastage is astonishingly low. You know, every centimeter of timber is used because again, you're, you're using machines, which have got highly tight tolerances on cutting as opposed to a human who doesn't necessarily have the have, have the same tolerances and of course we go back to that point on quality as well 
Tom, you know, if you get things right first time, then there has to be an environmental benefit in that too. You're not going to have to, people returning to site on a regular basis to correct snagging items. You're not going to be undoing work and replacing it with new work and therefore releasing more carbon each time you get that. So again, it's that, it's that, it's that point about you might pay a little bit more, but you get a better product. Yeah, I agree. We need to recognise that these are people's homes and their, their work environments. And it's important that people feel that they are fit for purpose, uh, that they're adaptable, that they are efficient, um, and they're actually contributing to what is the important uh, issue of our time, which is um, which is climate change and, and, the, and net zero. Thank you, Ian. I think uh, we've, we can all agree that modern methods of construction um, should be better utilised, should be implemented more broadly uh, in the construction sector and I think Howden and the insurance community are going part ways to addressing that and I'd like to do more of it. I think we as a community would like to do more of it. That nicely brings us to the end of our Modern Methods of Construction Building the Future series of podcasts. Uh, on behalf of Howden, I'd like to thank both Ian Atkinson and Womble Bond Dickinson for contributing today. Thank you very much for having me. We hope you've enjoyed the content covered in this podcast series. Of course, if you have any questions or would like to learn more about modern methods of construction, construction insurance in general, or participate in a future discussion, Ian and I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us or reach out through LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fortune Favours the Brave from Howden. To hear more episodes and subscribe to our channel, search Fortune Favours the Brave on your favourite podcast app.